When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. This is Theo Henderson from We Any House. We are in Unhoused News. Our top story is out here in Koreatown, the anti-unhoused, anti-press uh, sentiment is very strong. They are utilizing other people of color to basically dismantle and violate the, the law and the First Amendment right. So uh, as you can see today, they are, have uh, displaced unhoused uh, people's belongings, and as further along, we will give you an up, update on that story. Mainstream media, Los Angeles Times, has created a problematic article endangering the lives of unhoused people. The full story is that the topic of their article was talking about bicycles, which incidentally is important enough that Joe Pascano is criminalizing that now due to the article. The article points to the address of unhoused people and then leaves a subtle dog whistle to uh, vigilantes to go and look for unhoused people, creating hostile situations. The conversation has been always ongoing about how mainstream media, the fourth estate, contributes into the mass hysteria and vigilantes of unhoused news. We in House has an episode called Nimbyland that highlights that on YouTube, as well as other social media podcasts. Incidentally, during the George Floyd protest, there was a big article from Los Angeles Times apologizing for their role into the racial antipathy that they created into their reporting. It seems like they have resorted back to that because, as you know, 52% of the unhoused are black, one in four are usually in use of force with the LAPD, and now, due to the heightened hysteria of under anti-unhoused sentiment that is used as a platform for the politician, the LA Times has joined the fray. They have always stated that there was they are doing balanced reporting, but that is not the case. It was incidents before, but they were really eager to try to have workshops, I guess, and they have foundered um, due to the fact that many of the journalists do not look at independent journalists as on the same caliber as uh, mainstream journalists. However, they have been missing the mark for some time. So I guess that's they're correct in that. In other news, 
as Weedy and House have found out that there has been a recall on City Council Member Mike Bonin. Uh, he is one of the people that has not pushed out any uh, 4118 resolutions. He voted against it, and now they are coming for him because of that. KDL has created more resolutions to circle uh, unhoused people near Union Station, uh, the the City Hall, and other places. The main proponent of the uh, the the resolutions have been Joe Piscine, over 161 and counting. Uh, Mitchell Farrell, he's growing in his number. Uh, Parker Corian, uh, KDL. Nuri Martinez, these are the ones that have been pushing for uh, the 4118 resolution. Utilizing uh, anti-unhoused sentiment stating that unhoused people are dangerous to schools and they're as if all the 62,000 unhoused people are going to attack school children and they are a danger to society. This, the last conversation uh, that I point out is and the last live stream, Instagram live stream, that I posted how MacArthur Park had violated the bulky order uh, ruling and threw away an unhoused person's um, belongings and left two belongings in their possession. Uh, for further details, please look on the Weedy Unhoused uh, Instagram Live as well as check out the new current episode uh, due to the veterans uh, Unhoused Veterans episode that should be apropos because today is Veterans Day. But incidentally, they are have disdained and discarded the unhoused just the same as civilian unhoused. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House, and this is Unhoused News. The city, they don't have the manpower to it, but they're going to have the evil intent to be able to displace thousands of people. So what, what, what do you think would be a good solution for you? Do, do, do you think this is a good solution anyway? No, I think this is really like discrimination. I mean, where where would they go? How can you look down at somebody who's already down on their luck? You know, we're all one foot out the door. We're supposed to be a nation of laws, and uh, we go out there and we fight for the borders to be secure, and the nation falls from the inside due to a bunch of paperwork. It's, it's ridiculous. Why should a, a veteran die in the streets? All this happens so well, and we copy these simple laws and push paper around. You can't do anything for the man sitting there right on the street right now. The fight for non-veteran housing is a bigger challenge right now. Yeah. Because, uh, because the people who are against this humanity mm -hmm. can say, there's no law saying we have to do this. Mm -hmm. But for veterans, there is. Everybody deserves a home. Absolutely. But veterans have a home. It's right. just somebody's got the keys. <laughs> This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House, and we are here today at National Veterans Park. Today we are going to be highlighting a lot of the stories of the unhoused, but we're also going to highlight the people that help the unhoused. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce two of my guests here. They're going to talk to us a little bit. I'm going to start them off a little bit of how they got involved in this and then take it from there. What's your name, sir? Jim Brown. Angel Brown. Well, th this is the Browns, not the comedy show. <laughs> These are the real live Jim Brown, and not the football player, by the way. <laughs> so I want to make sure, so you know, Jim Brown don't come and beat me up, thinking I got him on utilizing his name. So, uh, 
tell us a little bit about you. I, I see you have a veteran army shirt on it. So tell us a little about uh, about your story. Well, my story starts back in Oklahoma, uh, working with children and at-risk kids, and also group home kids. And we advanced that now to helping homeless veterans, which I'm a two-time veteran. And Why homeless veterans? Homeless veterans because of the fact the city and the state funding program is not accurate on serving homeless veterans. It's not accurate. Um, uh, we need to find out who's being served, where's the money's going, and who's really getting help from the state and the city. My second question is, you mentioned and touched on it very correctly too, um, do the unhoused veterans, do they deal with a lot of the challenges like uh, uh, substance usage, PTSD, you know, suicide. It, it's obvious the same things that happen with housed veterans or unhoused veterans. Do they get the appropriate help? No, not really. We get a lot of conversation, a lot of uh, I care for you conversations, but when it comes to really caring, there is no institution that we can actually go to and receive emergency help. What about because people would argue, many of the NIMBYs would argue, um, that you know, God save our veterans and they're patriotic and to the to the ridiculousness, of, you don't like this country, get out. But what about the Veterans Administration? Isn't that a solution or what's going on there? Well, the Veterans Administration keeps everything under the rug. They, they, they sound good, they talk good, but when we walk in there, a hundred veterans at a time, how many veterans do you think get saved? housing voucher, emergency assistance, medical attention, uh, even resources that they ritually deserve. It's not being done correctly. I understand due to some of the challenges that happened with unhoused people, and I have friends that were uh, in the service in Vietnam and was uh, I watched their stories and struggles to just get housing and a VASH voucher. Can you tell us what a VASH voucher is? Do you know what that is? A vast voucher basically is veterans trying to help veterans get into homes and even into veterans that's foreclosures that lost their homes. But when we go there to get the voucher, it's a bunch of red tape. It might take you six months to a year to even get the voucher. When you do get the voucher, you're, you're homeless and they're trying to find you. So the system is not working. We need to house the veterans with these vouchers. You were talking about meeting, uh, perhaps meeting them where they are. What are the obstacles of trying to get this VASH voucher that for unhoused uh, veterans? The obstacle is filling out paperwork. You fill out the applications. You go through the process. You get a case manager. Once you get a case manager, it stops. All this is just conversation. We're working on this. We're working on that. But when it comes down to transitioning from a shelter to home to a home it's a it's a window that's confused it's a window that's not certain it's a window that only a few maybe a few handful get a voucher now let's take a uh, take a this conversation to a new dimension I don't know if you've heard of 4118 and the 40 what, what I, I'm going to educate the, uh, all of us about it 4118 has been uh, shot down uh, over several 
times in city council's history. Um, I, as an unhoused person, had grappled and had personal experience being uh, a part, uh, with 4118 being used against unhoused people. But the question becomes now, because 4118 now that they have amended, before they had stopped it due to Boise, uh, you know, uh, uh, the case, but now they use special enforcement zones. But here is a issue here. 4118 affects everybody. Unhoused veterans, not uh, veterans, uh, disabled, elderly, the youth, any type of unhoused person is going to be affected by it. And what 4118 states is like, for example, the, uh, the sidewalk here, unhoused people can't be on the sidewalk. The, uh, unhoused people can't near be parks. This is a veteran national park. They can't be in parks. They can't be in schools. They can't be in parks. They can't be out by parks. They can't be near daycare. They can't be near stores. They can't be anywhere. The only place where unhoused people would, but you, know, you want to know where they're going to be? Outside of Los Angeles County. So that means in a far flung place. So if you have a VA appointment for this VASH, you won't be here to be able to go to it because you're going to be outside of unhi outside the park. So if you needed, for example, you needed uh, medical care from the VA, right. you can't get it instantaneous because you're going to be outside of Los Angeles uh, County. And this is going up for vote this Wednesday at 10 o'clock in the City Hall Council meeting. So what do you think, how do you think this is going to affect the unhoused community? This is going to be detrimental if we don't stand together and get action, make action, not talk about action, but let's actually do something because this is getting worse and worse and worse. And we need political leaders not trying to uh, subdue their audience by a vote. We need real, real work involved here for our homeless community. So I agree with that. And one of the things that many of the city council members that are voting for this kind of ordinance will stay in the same breath uh, you know, respecting and, and for Memorial Day or right. Veterans Day, yeah. but these are the same people that are voting to just make erase these very same people that they're up trying to pretend they're uplifting. Right. So this is where, uh, where uh, as many people as we can, that's the City Hall at 10 o'clock yeah. to come down and descend on City Hall to speak out against this. Uh, you're a veteran. You're a veteran twice. Yeah. So what? Uh, when the first time you became uh, uh, um, uh, into the service, uh, what were you a part of a new type of war or anything? No, I had just came from, uh, we was the last unit that did the 16 weeks of basic training. We cleaned the Vietnam equipment. I was a chemical specialist and I got exposed to Agent Orange, but we wasn't told to 25 years later. So now I'm pending uh, medical for the Agent Orange. But you re-enlisted and became a veteran again, twice over. So what, what was that about? Well, my daughter recruited me 25 years, to, years after I served the first time. I was eight years over the age limit, and I did it for my country. I love my country. I love to cook, and I did it for my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> that was the real ulterior motive. <laughs> so, yeah, if you know uh, Miss Brown, you was, like, trying to talk about it, baby. Like, daddy's girl forever. <laughs> So that's wonderful to hear. One of the things I wanted to talk to you, I'm going to take an uh, unfortunate turn. You've been helping so many people. And one of the things that I've observed, because I have a power-up out on Saturday down in the downtown Los Angeles area. Saturday, I partnered with Jack, uh, Japanese Action Solidarity Network. And I noticed the energy when I come around, and I, feel, I see the good food here. Yeah. And one of the things that I've been pushing, which seems radical for many people, 
that serves unhoused people is food diversity, feeding them food that they want to eat. No one wants to eat every Saturday the same peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They don't want to eat the same cold sandwiches for four weekends in a row. It just it it basically shows that they you just be grateful. That's that idea. You're just grateful for anything. And unhoused people are uh, are vast. They have different varieties. Some of them have health issues. Some of them want to be able to eat. And some of them. Uh, maybe need this food that we have just like what we eat to keep us surviving and keep the uh, make the time a little bit less miserable because being unhoused let's be i can tell you it is miserable it's stressful and it's like people always talk about get a job i guarantee you i put you against any unhoused person that's panhandling against anybody that works eight hours a day you will not be able to last because that is a 24-hour job out in the heat you don't get a respite you don't get reprieves you don't get you out in the heat in the sun and you're trying to be able to survive where people do not want to see you or want you to make sure that you don't exist or be outside of L.A. County. But I understand that everybody uh, is appreciative of you guys' awesome work. And can you tell us a little bit about what's going on, what happened, why they gave you such a hard time at the situation where at the the American Legion, is that correct? So tell us a little bit about that. Well, American Legion post 520, I uh, joined uh, end of uh, May, beginning of June, and I was recruited to cook on the volunteer kitchen. And we cooked and we fed the homeless veterans. We cooked uh, barbecue ribs. We cooked briskets. We cooked turkey. We cooked hams. I'm getting hungry over here, but we get the point. <laughs> I might bring a plate, but okay, okay. So we cook what people want to eat. And, and greens, baked beans, uh, real southern hospitality food. Mm-hmm. And and we love cooking it and sharing it with the homeless. And I love eating it. Well, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> yes. But American Legion stopped me Jan- uh, July the 10th. Mm-hmm. We had a commander just came in office 10 days. Mm-hmm. Steve McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. He put me off post. He said he couldn't do my black skin. He said he couldn't do Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. He says, I am. Not through. the football player. <laughs> Not the football player, but the, but me, the Jim Brown right, right. from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yes, Mr. Steve McLaughlin mm-hmm. asked me to leave without a reason. He, he forced me to leave without a reason. He called the police on me. Uh, the police asked him, could I stay? He had no right to put me off. He still closed down the shop and would not let me cook my food. But also point out to the American Legion, what is the American Legion? Because people don't may not know what American Legion is. It's for military people. So this, let's still be clear, this is a two-time vet. So what reason did he give you because to throw off a, a, a veteran that's serving other unhoused veterans? Well, his reason was that my black skin was not welcome and Jim Brown was not welcome. I can't do Jim Brown, quote, that's what he told me. And he had no reason whatsoever. I asked him over 10 times mm-hmm. to give me an honest reason why we can't work together as veterans. Well, racism seems to be bleeding even into the, uh, the service industry, uh, our, our, service, our former service members and our current service members. And that is distressing to hear. Uh, one of the things that I also, you told me that I wanted to elucidate a little bit more on is now that you only did, they threw you out of there, but also that you've been, he impacted other service people that they're supposed to be helping, Correct. you know, with food and things like that. Uh, do you prefer, do you suppose that it was due to you guys' uh, 
methods of creating new uh, types of food justice is issues. What do you think? Yes, I think it was the, the nature of different type of foods. Uh, everyone around us loved our, our creativity, mm -hmm. our, our barbecue. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy doesn't eat meat. Mm -hmm. So we, we try to accommodate that by giving him healthy vegetables. Mm -hmm. Now, if he was, if was, he was supposed to be what he's supposed to be or telling me to get off post, why would you eat that great food of mine? Mm -hmm. And then still kick me off post. What I, one of the things I want to segue into too is I noticed like even when I'm doing Empower Ups that I've noticed uh, that in other communities, I, I'm in Little Tokyo yeah. and I started out servicing foods there. There was Asian food, there's Latino food, there's other, uh, other cultural foods, like Italian food. Even in Juneteenth when I was pushing for having a Juneteenth celebration, I, I, I found it was a very, uh, it's a hard conversation to have with people because they look at uh, African-American cuisine or Southern African-American cuisine as uh, not, what's, what's the word, healthy or or um, or, or not a, a palatable to people that other cultures. And I think that has something to do with systemic racism as well. Because if we can eat healthy or, or unhealthy other uh, cultural foods, and, and no one's saying that you have to eat this all the time, right. but the fact of right. the matter, if you can eat these un, un, uh, other unhealthy cultural foods, why is it that you eat uh, African-American food is supposed to be this uh, moniker. That's another a form of erasure. But one of the things I wanted to direct a little bit of the conversation uh, to you, uh, Ms. Brown, is the fact that you were witness to this. And I want in your own words, because you probably have some insight that we may have missed or I may have didn't ask the right question, about what did you see? Because you were observing and them interact with your husband. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what's going on there. What I witnessed when, I believe it was July the 9th, Jim and I was at the stove fixing some food for um, individuals that was coming to um, get it, but it was going to be for donations. Right. Mr. Steve came to my husband and said, you're going to have to get your S-H-I-T mm -hmm. and go. Right. We don't want you here. You're mm -hmm. done here. Mm -hmm. Your black skin is not welcome. Uh -huh. I can't do Jim Brown. Okay. okay. So once that was said, Jim asked him, why? Why you can't do me? He didn't. He, I don't have to give you a reason. You just gotta go. Mm -hmm. The next day we shows up. He's Miss. Um, I believe her name was Miss Michelle. All right, right. She said, "You're not welcome here. You need to go." Jim said, "Why? You, you're not allowed on the premises. You have to go, and we're gonna call the police." That was it. And the police came and asked Jim to leave, gave him some type of paper that said that he was trespassing. And Jim is to this day is still confused as a veteran, a two-time veteran, why he's not allowed. Well, it seems like um, one of the things that I noticed, like I've had those uh, incidents where they have discriminated against and then basically paint you as the villain. But one of the things is what you guys did, because you're a military man and you knew that everyone has a chain of command, that everyone, there's things that are in order, that you know if you have a problem with the uh, immediate person there, that you go over the person and then you try to seek resolution. Was that what, did you guys seek that, do, try to do that? Well, yes we did, but right now we're in the process of doing Seeking the proper yeah. paperwork. Okay. You know, we got, there's a chain of command, of command where we have to write the, um, the, the, uh, the grievance right. first. Absolutely. We're in the process of doing that right now as we speak. It is uh, it's taking a, a, a bit. 
because we got to add the videos and everything that's to go with it. Absolutely. And this is where I wanted to point out to you. So this is not like they were just, this was made up or they have concrete proof. They have videos that we're going to show uh, show me. And then too, they're trying to take the appropriate uh, courses to be able to get some justice and accountability. You know, basically, initially, it seems like Mr. Brown was trying to get to a conversation, be able to de-escalate the situation. He did not go to, the, uh, you know, where we have go to what we say in, in, in Chicago, that our Negro moment. We tried to be able to uh, just, uh, peaceably get to the solution, but they we wasn't trying to have it. And then what is usual commonplace when they're dealing with African-American people, they call the police, they weaponize the police yeah. to cause a situation that could have ended in tragic consequences. Yeah. But instead of that, he maintained his uh, military bearing and his discipline, and he basically want to do this in a way that shows the rest of the uh, rest of the public that this type of thing to your service member, a two-time veteran, I want to point out, that served this country honorably, is this is not tolerated and should be acceptable even in from a service, former service members, veterans, or current service members. This is, shouldn't be a, uh, approachable. So. Uh, is there anything else that I've missed? Because I want to make sure that I want to uh, get this, this conversation as due attention. Well, we want to continue to do our work in the community with a positive attitude, with an attitude of we're going to achieve and accomplish our goals. We can't let the community stop us. We can't let racism stop us. We can't let any diversion stop us from completing this task if that's out of control. And the state, governor, mayor, I'm asking, get involved with the community leaders. We can solve this problem. Mr. Brown, you has touched on it eloquently. Would you like anything else to add, Ms. Brown? I want to say that I'm so grateful to be here and someone is hearing my husband, listening to him because he really loves cooking. He loves serving the community. I met him serving the community. He loves it. And I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful, and I pray that he can find resolution of going back on the post and cooking. Like you say, he's a two-time vet. Yeah, he's supposed, he has a right mm -hmm. to be on that post, just like any other veteran. Right. And that's all he wants, is to be treated equally and absolutely. treated like a human being. Absolutely. Well said. This is Theo Henderson from We In House. I thank you all for listening to the story. Like I said, we want basically what our what is given to everybody. Be treated like we all are. are we all have a, a purpose in this life, and we should be treated with the same honor and and, and dignity as everyone else. Thank you all for listening, and may we again meet in the light of understanding. Thank you.
This is Theo Henderson from Weeding House. We have a gentleman here that is going to uh, highlight and give us a little bit of uh, some background information. So let us introduce himself and then we can take it from there. Uh, my name is um, Rob Reynolds, uh, U.S. Army veteran, served in Iraq. I've been uh, working and helping the homeless veterans um, outside the West LA VA and involved in this advocacy since about July of 2019, two years. So what uh, got you involved into this advocacy? Uh, I went I went through this myself. I, I came here in 2018. I had a service dog. I went to go get in the VA. They told me I had to get rid of the service dog before I could get in. Ended up out on the sidewalk writing letters to my elected officials. Mm -hmm. I eventually got in uh, <clears throat> with my dog. Um, but in the time that I spent out here, I watched how there was no outreach. There was no one from the VA coming and checking on these guys. There was people attempting suicide and all just, you know, really atrocious things happening. And I did not like it. Mm -hmm. um, so when I got inside the VA, I immediately, uh, you know, started reporting what I was seeing out here to the uh, uh, VA White House hotline, the Office of the Inspector General, multiple different veteran crisis lines, and no one was really doing anything. Um, I started going with the homeless veterans. We started bringing them to these federal advisory boards where, you know, the VA sits and they talk about land use policies. And we were bringing up all these concerns with the homeless veterans and no one was addressing them. And it was at that time that we met some uh, Vietnam veterans and also, um, uh, residents of the Brentwood community that kind of gave us a rundown on this history of the land fraud that's been going on here and the misappropriation of land mm -hmm. and I myself in the beginning didn't understand the relation between the two but uh, you know throughout this time it's been a learning experience and it all ties back to one thing if, if your primary focus is to run a real estate business mm -hmm. it's not taking care of veterans Correct. right Absolutely. so that's how we're in this position today excellent I excellently put so, uh, so have you seen any uh, positive movement away from this, or are, is it is it slowly be reaching people's attention? Because I understand there is some tension with the uh, Brentwood Community count, uh, Neighborhood Council, but they are part of the problem. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, the Brentwood Community Council is not recognized by the uh, LANC, which is the Los Angeles Neighborhood. Um, Council Coalition. Okay. That's where all the ones that are on that board, you can see them on there. Mm -hmm. Brentwood is not. Uh, the Brentwood Community Council, uh, their board members, um, a lot of the time have been illegal land users. Mm -hmm. It's always people that have some interest in the land mm -hmm. on this council board. Uh, even one of the principal developers was Thomas Saffron, mm -hmm. used to be a BCC board member. So mm -hmm. it's always like everyone from the BCC gets cherry picked for things going on at the West LAVA, mm -hmm. almost to the point where it's like it's their property and they're running everything here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been in a meeting with uh, <coughs> Councilmember Bonin, mm -hmm. where he told me himself, he said, you know, the BCC doesn't want homeless veterans here at the West LA VA. Mm -hmm. They don't want housing for them. And, uh, you know, Ted Lou, in his own words, at one point in 2015 at one of the meetings, said the same thing, that um, they don't want this to become a large depository for homeless, disabled veterans. And it's just a bunch of NIMBY, NIMBY neighbors, right? Right. But the fact is, is this soldier's home property has been here for 133 years. Mm -hmm. Civil War soldiers once walked on this property. Mm -hmm. All these towns, Brentwood, Westwood, the neighborhood of Sawtell, they mm -hmm. were all developed around this property, mm -hmm. right? Veterans helped develop a lot of these communities that everyone lives in today. Uh -huh. So the fact that they're being exiled from their inherited property is absolutely unacceptable. I, I totally agree. And I'm just taken aback the level of nimbyism that could reach, uh, to, to reach, it's just unbelievable. You're going to exile people from their own property. Why am I not surprised? They did it in Venice. They did it in Manhattan Beach. They do it everywhere. They come in, they're interlopers, and take over the places where there are spaces 
that was a community. Veterans had a community. This was a community way before this was a neighborhood and before Brentwood Neighborhood Council or any of the other NIMBYs were even a thought. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this place used to be a bustling little city. At one point, there was upwards of 5,000 veterans living on the property. You know, and then... Uh, then the VA started focusing on commercially leasing off the land for profit, and the whole focus became, you know, selling off the land and not building veteran housing. Mm -hmm. Now, what they did to try to, to fill the gap was they, they started pushing a lot of these HUD VASH vouchers. Mm, okay. they're, they're essentially like a civilian Section 8 okay. voucher you can get. Okay. However, the problem is, is it can take upwards of three months just to get a voucher in hand. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have somewhere where somebody can sit in the interim, like a shelter mm -hmm. or a housing place for them to stay, right. the likelihood of them getting through that process is slim to none okay. because you're on the street, you got to get ID cards, the whole yeah. thing. I mean, it's just- Like all unhoused people have go through. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Right. You know, when you have other cities around the, the country that spend time um, building shelters and everything, and Los Angeles' focus was building permanent housing, like permanent housing is a good thing, mm -hmm. but you still have to have some type of shelter to keep people in the interim. Mm -hmm. You can't just have them all over the streets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So basically they are utilizing NIMBYs to be able to push this agenda again. But the issue is that they, unhoused people are keep talking about what they want is basically reasonable housing, safe housing. And these congregate shelters, according with the uh, COVID-19, is not an option anymore. What they have now is hotels. Are they offering that to you guys? We've had a lot of people go through the hotel vouchers. It's been kind of some problems with those. They okay. weren't providing food. Oh, okay. Every 28 days, they had to move to a new hotel room, so oh, they're okay. bouncing around. I see, um, I see. Then money runs out, and we have a lot of guys that were in hotel vouchers that are back out on the sidewalk now. Okay. And I know that there are issues with shelters and the congregate living and safety issues and concerns. Mm -hmm. However, what I think a lot of this all ties into is, you know, um, these are simple problems to fix. It's our elected officials. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they're listening to the 1% of the population that has all the money, that mm -hmm. lobbies them, that, you know, and, and that's what happens here. Everybody in between gets screwed when our elected officials are doing everything to appease these wealthy donors. Well, one of the things they are doing is with 4118. I know you've heard of 4118. Um, it's basically, most civilians know it. Uh, so 4118 is the ordinance that they're trying to do this Wednesday to outlaw vet, uh, the unhoused out here, the veterans. They can't be near parks, around parks, in parks, uh, near schools, daycares, uh, any place where, they where there are businesses, their unhoused people are not to be. They have allocated a place outside of Los Angeles for unhoused people to be. So if this passes, this affects everybody, uh, civilians and veterans. And I was wondering what your perspective is on it. Well, thankfully, um, this sidewalk falls within the county jurisdiction, okay. unincorporated county. Good. Um, Good. Supervisor Sheila Cool's office, so it does not fall within the city, so Good. that won't apply here. Okay. Uh, and also, there's a simple solution. We could just get everything on the other side of the fence here. We got 388 acres mm -hmm. and we could do some really good stuff and, and get them off the street. So okay. that's really what we're pushing for. Oh, good, good. Well, that's this is news to me because I thought this was part of the city, but that's good. This is a county. So you guys probably would, this probably definitely would pass you guys by, but it will not with the civilian population, unfortunately. Um, so is there anything else that I missed that I, I should have asked you? Uh, no, I think you pretty much, um, pretty much hit everything and uh, you know I think um, definitely our elected officials need to start uh, putting human beings mm -hmm. lives before their personal agendas mm -hmm. and before the special interest groups agendas because it's a lot of what we're getting into here absolutely I'm going to I would like to come back and interview you again or uh, come and check out uh, get deeper into it I promised uh, the other gentleman is that okay absolutely anytime 
thank you for um, for talking with me and i appreciate your time and i thank you all for listening and may we again meet in the light of understanding good afternoon this is Theo henderson from weedy and house and as you can feel the breeze growing because it's been a hot day it's been a hot week and i want to quickly say something about climate change climate change is real it gets to be very hot and then it can be abruptly cold but one of the things that's constant is unhoused people and the unhoused veteran community is out here enduring this. And they deserve better. So we're here. Uh, last time we had a conversation. I am afraid we was a little bit short, but I wanted to take the time to come back and interview again and to take our time to talk with one of the uh, one of the proponents. I saw you recently um, giving out a video, if I'm not sure, it was Instagram or TikTok about what was going on. And I want to talk about uh, update the community on what's going on. So tell us a little bit about, uh, recap what you, uh, what you do and what, why is it so important that you speak about these very important issues. Well, and I uh, definitely appreciate you coming out and taking the time to understand what's happening. Um, you know, uh, I'm a veteran. I, I went through this, this whole situation when I tried to come in and get services years back and, and uh, just didn't agree with it. Um, seeing veterans sleeping outside the VA on a sidewalk and there's all this land right here that doesn't make any sense to me. And, uh, and then people out on the lawn here, I don't understand. Why won't they allow the other community to come out on the lawn as well? That's, I'm not just saying that that's right, because they have the empty building here, but it's just like it's so bizarre. Well, you have to understand COVID. COVID plays a big role in this. So um, the VA was supposed to have around 480 units of housing built. 2020 didn't happen. Uh, then, when the COVID pandemic struck, um, there was already a shortage of housing, and they took all the programs and they went down to a 50% occupancy for social distancing guidelines. And that's really when the population of homeless veterans on the sidewalk exploded. Uh, every time you have an outbreak in one of the buildings, they'll shut down admissions and they won't take anybody in, and everything kind of goes to a standstill. And the population starts, you know, increasing right. on the sidewalk. Right. So that's. That's a lot of what happens here. Um, they have not been consistently taking people in throughout the pandemic. Again, every time they have a breakout, they stop bringing people in. But um, it doesn't make any sense because there's plenty of land here, 388 acres. Oh, we can social you. distance everybody. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. I was so like, what you were saying, it's yeah. like, dude, look how much space they have. Yeah. And even the unhoused civilians, we, even, we we are in the park. We know how to social distance enough that we have space with them. This is ridiculous. Yeah, this is uh, this is insane. We just had, uh, we had one of the veterans, a U.S. Army veteran, that uh, was kind of a fixture around here. Uh, we got him inside, uh, the inside encampment, and he actually uh, died last weekend. That's the uh, memorial that you have. That's the memorial. What was the gentleman's name? Uh, Jake Taggart. Mr. Taggart uh, served this country. He was in the military as a veteran, and this is the reward that America did. So I'm very sorry for the guys who made these lost. And so, uh, I, I wanted to take a step, which is why it's so important that housing is immediately helped for everyone here in the community, is that uh, recently the sheriff has came out and uh, the business improvement or people that don't like seeing houselessness and enjoying their comfort fight blockade have enlisted the support of a problematic sheriff, Dylan uh, Waits, who also apparently endorses Larry Elder, which is another problematic picture of dealing with houses who have no experience with it. He says that he's in 30 days, he's going to remove all these guys. What do you think of that? Uh, well, it's definitely not going to happen. So he was in, um, about two weeks ago, he was in the Brentwood Community Council meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, they brought up this encampment. He said that they were going to do an assessment period. We actually uh, met with the sheriff's department host team uh, right after that meeting, and then we had the sheriff's department host team have a town hall with all the veterans. So we set up with all the VA directors, all the homeless veterans, and sheriffs. Mm -hmm. uh, we went over some questions, you know, questions and answers with the sheriff's department, and also filled them in on you know, what's going on here at the VA, and the history, and the things that happened. And the thing is, when they do start their assessment, which they have not started yet. Um, they're very easily going to see that every time you get two or three veterans inside, four or five more show up. Um, and also, this VA has a terrible problem with recycling, essentially recycling veterans. They go, they go into programs and they kick them right out for missing a pet check. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, partial aspects to the, uh, the program. Yeah, similar to civilian uh, treatment of it. But yes, please, please. Yeah, and the, the COVID, they've really used COVID to their advantage as making a lot of the, the rules more strict. I mean, these guys can't even leave to go on. You know, if they're in any of these programs, they can't even leave to go to the store without uh, someone from the VA walking with them to go down to the store. They can't walk around the property at night, get up, go for a walk, or do anything. So they're really kind of like isolating everybody in. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, it kind of goes against all logic when you're dealing with people with PTSD. You know, they need to be able to get out and move around right. and not be stuck in their head. Right. So locking them in their rooms and stuff is just problematic and causes, you know, causes people to constantly be getting kicked out. So until um, you know these problems are fixed, we're just going to keep seeing veterans on the sidewalk. And there's a, there's some really simple solutions to it. I mean, there's there's no reason why we can't set up large tents or one of these buildings that have a bunch of cots in it where you just have immediate same-day services. The veteran shows up, give them a place to stay, and stop sending them out to the street. Right. Because uh, this is uh, hell. You can do better than that. You're do way better than that. You know. Yeah. You know. I've, I've seen unhoused camp uh, uh, places that least is comfortable to give them the air mask. I mean, it's, it's things that you can do to just humanize people. You don't have to make them feel like they are a jail or they've done something wrong for being unhoused. It's not a crime to support, period. It's not a crime to have challenges and things that happen. Life happens to you. We this ridiculous idea that people need to be punished or jailed or, or thrown out in the street or shot and killed or all of these crazy things that, in houses in general, it really bothers me when I, I see them uh, like the police, the sheriff always becomes at the same day. Venice Beach is a horrible example. Echo Park is another horrible example. They literally scared people in trying to get treatment and help because they were running around attacking them, throwing them in jail and things like that. So they're not going to be eager to go back and try to get help, even if you are going to uh, be sincere about it. Yeah, absolutely, and this is a this is a whole different situation here. You know, these guys are. Uh, they're not down on Venice Beach. They're not in a tourist zone. Uh, they're right outside of VA. They're, right. Right, they're right outside of property that right. was deeded for them. Right. Taxpayers pay dearly to have these guys housed, to take care of them. They have benefits. They should not even be in this position. And again, it just goes into the history. We used to have 5,000 veterans living on the property when there were none homeless in the local community here. Mm -hmm. And half of all homeless around this VA are veterans. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's about time that they get these guys back in the land. And I think you know we're getting in that direction where things are not happening, but it's just, you know, with any large bureaucracy, it's, uh, it's like a push and shove match to really get things wrong. Do you think the sheriff's department is going to make things worse? Because they are not, I'm not saying that they're not, that we don't have a lot of choice for the veterans, but if the community pressures them to displace people in their own, because I look at this as basically, literally, this is with veteran land, and you can't have them involved in the veteran community, what do you think is this going to happen? That's going to cause more, you know, trauma, and it's going to cause... Like, I understand that 22 a day is the suicide rate for uh, veterans. So, is this going to spike it or is it going to decrease it? Uh, 
Uh, well, I think that the pandemic has actually spiked a lot of it and a lot of things. Um, yes, if, if the sheriffs were to come in and be aggressive with people, you have to remember we have 16 of these guys out here, combat veterans, yeah. so we serve multiple tours and yeah. stuff. And there's, there's no need to come in and pressure anyone in that way. And, um, they haven't yet, have not done anything yet, uh, been respectful of the situation. Um, we'll see how that goes as things progress, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be very difficult just to come in and remove everyone because you know we know exactly what each individual. I know what each individual is waiting for as right. far as their services, and uh, everybody's waiting for something, whether that be a HUD bath voucher or a hotel voucher or a train ticket back home, plane ticket back home, or the waiting to get into one of the programs right now. So we have all that very well documented, and we're constantly sharing that information and just letting you know the sheriff's department, the county, and everyone know, hey, these are what these guys are waiting for. Let's not do anything to remove them or get, add any more stress to them. Let's get them what they need. Yeah. And you make a very good point. In the civilian sector, that we have many unhoused people in the, in the fact they were in limbo for different things, like the, uh, Section 8, uh, find housing vouchers, things like that, for community. And unfortunately, the city has shown particularly the Nueva have shown uh, along with the LAPD as well. I don't want to get to the room on it, but the sheriff, because this is their domain, it has basically turned a blind eye and, and basically displaced them. And the thing that is, they didn't displace them too much to either 20 miles away from the services, uh, also put in next, if not into the area where the NIMBYs are, but also flooded in other neighborhoods who are now creating their own kind of incarceration. Uh, Kind of environment. They also created 4118, uh, amended it so it could be even much more draconian for unhoused people that are civilians to either be uh, against the city, against sleeping, against even lying down. And as you know, the human bodily functions, you cannot just sit and walk forever. You got to sit somewhere, you got to rest somewhere, and you got to lie down. So their, they, their idea is that they offer you a congregate shelter right now where the percentage of COVID outbreaks is very high, and if you turn it down, that's the push for them to get to jail. But there's not enough jail for, for over 60,000 people. I'm just concerned that, yes, that it's true that they're being, they're acting slow moving, but I don't want to see what happens to civilians happen to effective because I, and by all rights, you guys should be out here anyway. Yeah, none of these guys should be out here. Um, it's going to be difficult. So this is the jurisdiction here is a, is a little weird. Yeah. So on the sidewalk, the, the lights that you see on the sidewalk are owned by the county, so therefore it's considered county jurisdiction. Okay. So though that anti-camping ordinance doesn't that falls within the city of Los Angeles, right. so it actually doesn't affect these guys. Thankfully, the county hasn't adopted anything like that yet. Um, and Supervisor uh, Sheila Cool's office, this is uh, this is her district here, okay. Supervisor District Three. Um, she said she wants to see uh, all of these guys in permanent housing. Right. So. Again, the, I know the sheriff's got an ongoing feud with the, the uh, county board of supervisors, mm -hmm. so um, we'll kind of see how that uh, how it all plays out. But you know, a lot of the some of the officers on the host team are veterans too, so we spend a lot of time you know talking with them and explaining the situation. You know, in light of everything that's happening in, in Afghanistan right now, you know that's why it's so important for this to be fixed because the guys that are getting wounded and injured in Afghanistan, if they come here. home. And they come to, to this area, absolutely. they're going to be on the side. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's the problem. That's, that's and the point. That can't happen. Yeah. This is absolutely um, unacceptable that this has gone on. And I think uh, I think we're about to see some good change as far as getting these guys taken care of again. Uh, you just never know, though. Yeah. Yeah.
and I just said, you know, I, I, of course, I have these in the back of my mind because I am a civilian and I'm dealing with accomplishments. I know how things look good politically, and then we have Echo Park, or then we have, you know, they're looking at, they're actually, they're a NIMBY that are come actively seeking for Sheriff Bill and the Waver to, in, to insert themselves in the fight against Alphabet. Now, Bill and the Waver's jurisdiction wasn't a big speech, but he inserted himself into it. And he caused, unfortunately, a lot of trauma and harm to unhoused civilians who had different things that were going on and that was in limbo. And so I, I worry, you know, that he, he would try it here, but I, I have a suspicion it may be a little bit of a different fight because, you know, like you said, you have combat veterans. This is not going to be the easier win where you can just try to intimidate 13 cops and intimidate a civilian that, uh, that's vulnerable. You got veterans that, you know, that might, they might not want to smoke. Uh, figuratively and literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not, it's not going to be uh, easy to come in and intimidate any of these guys, I can assure you that. And, um, you know, what's been eye-opening for me is veterans obviously have a lot more resources in hand than you know, the civilian house. Right. And uh, even with all the resources that veterans have and all the entities that we bring in here, it's still a very long process. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine how hard it must be for someone on the civilian side going through all of this to get get housing it must be like an attorney. Mm -hmm. If I'm seeing it here with these guys who have yeah. a ton of resources, exactly. then it must be that much worse for the civilian population. And um, then the minute you try to get the resources, you come to the police or NIMBY trying to put you in jail, and then you got to start all over again. You're taking everything. Yeah, and I think uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the excuses are the red tape and everything that people take care of. But you know, for instance, right now you see um, in Afghanistan, we're bringing over a lot of the refugees that helped. Uh, U.S. service members during you know, the 20-year war, and we're going to bring them back over here, and they're putting forth legislation to cut through the red tape to get these people immediately housed on a military base. Mm -hmm. So if we can do that for the refugees, then why can't we cut through some red tape and some legislation for to get the veterans immediately housed or get some more you know, civilian people immediately housed in areas? No. Okay, I just go for me. Give my opinion. Why can't they just literally, this is the empty building, why can't they just send you back tomorrow Say, hey, we're going to put you here. We don't have to build a building. We don't have to go to city hall. We don't have to pray and moan about it. We have, we have the place here. Why can't they just basically put them here? You know, I mean, there's nothing take to ask the Congress to help. This is their land. They have a building that's not occupied. They can put them in and house them tomorrow. It, it, it doesn't take a year. It shouldn't take a year. I mean, for this, this is a easy. This is not. This is a non, no brainer. It is a no brainer. The problem here is, is something that's been going on for decades is um, the politics behind this property. You have a lot of big money influence that wants to be on this land. And two of the biggest ones are Brentwood School and UC Regents and UCLA. Actually, this building right behind us here, this is a research and development building. Um, they do some really crazy things in there. Uh, animal testing. They recently just got busted doing some kind of weird experiments on cats and everything. Oh, but, wow. Yes. So UCLA actually uses a lot of this land for their research and development, and um, you know, that benefits the hospital, mm -hmm. but UCLA is not even supposed to be on this land, it wasn't right. donated for them. Yeah, right. So that's uh, that definitely shouldn't be happening, they shouldn't have all this power influence. Mm -hmm. um, they have baseball stadiums on the land. UCLA gets to do pretty much whatever they want when it comes to this property, and they're not veterans, it's not a veteran organization, it's a, you know, it's a civilian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that, that, that's something I didn't know. You, you just UC Regents got a lot of money and influence. That's one of the reasons why 
but they are also the progenitors of causing this displacement. On the very safe, this is their land anyway. This was veteran land, and then they are throwing them out on their own land. Think about it for UCLA, they're you know, a really good hospital, I think number one in California, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But um, you know, they run all their residents through here at the VA, so all the all the doctors get all their training out and all the mistakes, all their issues on the veterans. Mm -hmm. They run all their research programs on the veterans. Right, right. So um, it's they really utilize the veteran population and they utilize this land for their benefit and their own self gain. Mm -hmm. uh, they really don't. Um, they do not give back to homeless veterans really at all. It's just an absolute bare minimum. And you know, then for instance, we have Brentwood School that's got another 30 acres up there, and they control a lot of what goes on. Here's a lot of money. And kids that go there pay $40,000 a year per student, and their parents do. Um, it's uh, it's really insane. So that's that's what the whole push is on this property. They have plans. They want to utilize this. When I say they, I'm talking about mm -hmm. the VA and the special interest groups right. that want to turn this into a downtown Brentwood and push all the homeless veterans to places like Skid Row or Koreatown, yeah. things like that. That's and it's all, and they already, what they forget, they already got the Dindies and they already got the Business Improvement District and cops trying to clean that up. It's, it's going to be, <laughs> that will be a mess. It's yeah. going to be a mess. It is going to be a mess. Uh, definitely. And it's just, uh, it's really unfortunate because it's a lot of our, you know, our elected officials are too worried about, again, appeasing their wealthy donors and they're not listening to the, you know, everyday people. Mm -hmm. They're just ignoring them and going along. Whoever's got the most money for their campaign, that's who they're going to listen to. Mm -hmm. And everyone else kind of gets screwed in a, in a way. Yeah. For instance, you know, this is the this is the 33rd Congressional District. Mm -hmm. This is Congressman Ted Lieu's district. Oh, really? Congressman Ted Lieu's office, his west side office, is literally about a mile down the street. Oh, wow. Congressman Ted Lieu's an Air Force veteran. Congressman Ted Lieu has never once stepped foot out here, had even an intern stepped foot out here, despite us having LA City Council, the County Supervisor's Office, everyone here. Mm -hmm. However, Congressman Ted Lieu um, writes a lot of the legislation mm -hmm. that affects everyone here. He's responsible oh, for wow. a lot of the planning. Is, uh, yes. So it's very, uh, it's very problematic. You know, he is a veteran. Um, what he's doing is just unacceptable and regardless of you know what the accusations are of his involvement in the property or anything like that it doesn't matter because the fact is in his district a mile from one of his offices outside the VA there's 50 veterans 16 of which are combat veterans and there's been people reaching out veteran service organizations reaching out to his office for two years and this guy's done nothing absolutely nothing and for someone in his position that has the power and influence to be able to effectuate and change and get some people taken care of for right. them just to ignore it. I mean, that's, that's just disgraceful. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's very problematic if he's a veteran, he should understand the challenges. At least give the courtesy of a phone call, at least a near appearance, or even a town hall, you know, at least for that. Well, um, Henry Waxman was the uh, congressman prior to Ted Lieu in this district here. He, all the time, he would come here and have town halls with the veterans, engage with what's going on, and that's normally how it happens in VA. But uh, Congressman Ted Lieu does not do that. Um, in fact, when he, when he first got into uh, office, one of the first things he did here at the West LA VA was after the lawsuit, there was a lawsuit that happened, and uh, these leases were supposed to be evicted. There was this soccer club called FC Breaker Soccer Club, and they were utilizing the MacArthur Field, which is in the back of the VA. And they received a federal eviction notice. It was just a soccer club, like civilians, soccer moms. So they receive eviction notice. Um, Congressman Ted Lieu steps in, intervenes, and stops 
the eviction of FC Breaker Soccer Club. Uh, thanks to a FOIA request, we know why, and his whole excuse was he thought it would be bad publicity to kick out soccer moms. But the thing is, where that um, field is, where they're supposed to be evicted from, they're right. supposed to be housing units built. Right. They now have not been built to stop that eviction. And that was one of the first things that we did here. Okay. And, you know, it's just, had he not done that, we would have housing, housing units yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of, uh, been years in the making. That's the thing too, I can say, you know, this is not this is not some far flung place. We have, you know, you don't have to this is the community of veterans. This is the community where you don't have to hear the NB moms are talking about unhoused people or people doing substances or they're gonna attack the poor kids. This is their this is their area. There's no excuse for them to have. And yet they still don't have housing. This is the issue. So it's never really about these people stories, these fictitious uh, narratives that they make up is that they just don't want to do the right thing. And that is needs to change. No matter if you're civilian or, un uh, or military unhoused, you deserve housing. You deserve services. You deserve to be treated just as, as a human being. Just because you're in a building doesn't mean you're better than someone that doesn't, not in the one. So uh, is there anything else that I missed um, with the conversation? No, I think uh, pretty much covered everything. Definitely, uh, I feel that we're gonna we're gonna have some good progress here as far as getting things changed on the land. We already have. It's unfortunate that it's taken this long, and uh, I just really hope that everyone kind of uh, gets themselves in here before we have another another death. Since I've been involved in this, I've known six veterans that have passed away, and that's in, in the last two years, and that's really that's really too many to be dying right outside the VA. Yeah, it's, it's not. And there's more than that. It's just ones that I know. But um, definitely thank you for coming uh, out here and doing what you do. I really appreciate it. I'm going to. I'm determined to stay on this case and see. Uh, like you say, I'm hopefully uh, next time I interview is going to be in more positive circumstances. And again, Rob, keep up the fight. And like I said, I will be doing my part to make sure the world is educated about the issues that we're dealing. Again, thank you very much. This is Theo Henderson from Weed House. I thank you all for listening. And may we again meet in the light of heaven. You mind if I ask a few questions? Uh, why are we here? We're here protesting the, the disrespect that they are giving the veterans of America. When America called me, I answered the call. Now I'm back and I turn to America and get a tent. Then they wonder why I don't vote for them. It ain't a racial thing. I know ignorance and stupidity when I see it. I ain't got to bathe in it. And that's from a vet. Right. Shut the f up. You got nothing to say. Absolutely. Thank you for your service. No, no listen to me the f off.
Quarantine now! Well, as you can see now, uh, this veteran is truly finding out what the sheriff's department really think of him and everyone else out here. So, This is Theo Henderson from Weeding House. This is Mr. Garcia, who's going to tell us he's a Marine. Uh, tell us a little about what's going on. What are we doing here? Well, we're out here telling too that. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. We're out here telling Ted, uh, Mr. Lou, that uh, these tents are not acceptable housing for veterans, especially for disabled veterans. Uh, this is this is extremely uh, beyond pathetic. When we're talking about a land that's 388 acres, a land that was donated to specifically house disabled veterans. Right. Uh, there's a reason they donated that land to us is because every once in a while, when we come back from combat, we might not all be there, and we need our buddies. To, to, to watch over over us uh, so it was designed as a veterans home right for veterans to come back home to yep. so we could take care of each other however uh, congressman Ted Lou has decided that those 388 acres are, are best for the Brentwood community so they could ride their bicycles so they could swim so they could play golf uh, so they could play football so the kids have a nice uh, uh, education while veterans are literally dying on their doorstep just waiting begging to get in let, let me actually let me jump back a bit because I remember uh, I came here earlier when the house community was out there and I understood that this neighborhood councils were pushing because uh, for the removal of unhoused people um, flashback today I see unhoused people in tiny sheds and in, 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 in tents outside why is that a problem for the veterans uh, well, because UCLA has the buildings that we're supposed to be inside of. Brentwood School has the buildings. That they, Brentwood School has 20 acres. They got an Olympic-sized heated swimming pool. 
<laughs> we don't even have sufficient restrooms. <laughs> you know, so uh, UCLA, they, they have their baseball stadium there. Uh, there's plans for them to have a practice baseball stadium there. Uh, the Purple Line, they're having a, a public train stop there. This, this is land specifically designed to, to, to house, unhouse disabled veterans. Uh, there shouldn't be anyone on that property, on, in those buildings, aside from unhoused disabled veterans. So that raises a good question because the city usually loves to say that they have no housing, but you have a place in housing, and we have civilians and, and, and rich residents are kicking people out of their places. That's the effect of gentrification. So what would it be? What would be the message that you send to Ted Lou today? Your intentions are obvious, Ted. Uh, you don't want veterans on your property. I, I have no idea how you call yourself a veteran. Your active duty. This is dereliction of duty. You have never walked out to Veterans Row. You have never looked at any one of these guys in the face. I challenge you to spend five minutes face-to-face with Rob Reynolds. Just talk to him about the problems. Bring up a problem to Rob Reynolds' face. I dare you. This the last question, um, and one of the questions that I feel is important is because Ted Lou's pseudo-solution was to disperse the veterans out in Los Angeles proper. And I don't know if you've been following closely what's going on in the city. There is an ordinance called 4118 that was passed by 12 city council members, and it criminalizes poverty and people uh, living and sleeping and lying outside near sensitive areas like parks, schools, uh, daycares, uh, underpasses, overpasses, basically everywhere in the city. So the solution that he's trying to do is that means you will be susceptible to the same laws that unhoused civilians are. So what's your perspective on that? you think that's going to be a good solution to do criminalize poor people? No, that's that's just feeding the problem. Uh, it's part of the, the, the greater problem where uh, no one is really coming up for solutions to, to house the unhoused. They're just creating this little cycle of just like push, you're kicking the can along, right? In a sense, it's not really a can, it's a big old wad of money that everyone just kicking the kicks around um, um, to, to, to kind of, and then that wad of money just feeds everybody but the unhoused. Uh, so that's definitely not a solution. All the vets that was dispersed throughout LA property, uh, they're, they're, they're in not the best areas in, in within L.A. I visited a bunch of them, so I know. And then aside from that, they, it's, it's carceral housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a lot of rules. They, they, I mean, we're grown men, and they, they can't have, like, a guest. Yes. Right? I mean, that's... that's, that's 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 unimaginable. That's uh, beyond just stupid. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, my my feeling is that they're just going to end up right back on the street because they're not going to like that housing. They're going to rather have their freedom out on the street than inside of a jail. Well put. Thank you, Mr. Garcia. This is CEO Henderson from Woody and House. This puts sheds more light on it, and we hope again that we're meeting in the light of understanding. Thank you very much. Thank that's, you, brother. That was really succinctly put. I wanted people Sweet. to see it. <laughs> <laughs> This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House. We're in the, the play, uh, one of the people in the fights that has been. I've been following his his uh, his Instagram lives about the situation. So, Mr. Senate, without further ado, tell us a little bit about why we're here and give us some background. You've been educating for a while about the, the property, what's going on. I've been watching some of your videos. So, can you give us a snapshot of what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So, my first peek into this whole situation was actually when COVID started and I saw tents popping up inside the VA mm-hmm. and I saw them popping up on the parking lot and I just as a resident in LA driving by was wanting to check it out and I was asking the people sleeping on the asphalt in tents like yo who's organized who thought that was a good idea with mm-hmm. all the grass and land and knowing there's abandoned buildings and stuff it, I just started asking questions Absolutely. 
Then in, fast forward in August, I was told that the host team was going to be attending a meeting on the VA property. Mm-hmm. And so I went to that and I filmed a consecutive 90 minute video and I shared it. And it was Lieutenant Diedrich and his team talking about their intention for cleaning up the sidewalk of Brentwood on San Vicente and Wilshire, which is against the gate of the VA. So I started going every Tuesday, Thursday, documenting exactly what vets were being told, what was then occurring. I seen vets get all their stuff thrown away, put in a car, told they were going to a center. Mm -hmm. They got to the center. It wasn't what they thought. Some didn't have the... the things they needed when they got to the center Mm -hmm. and actually came back to all of their belongings being thrown in the trash and we would then use the Mr. Checkpoint uh, community to raise instant money for tents and all these things and so um, the people have definitely been supporting in different ways uh, the veterans and I think uh, now that the tents are inside, you don't have that community. It's hard for me to even start now the relationships and continue talking to the people and the residents that I once did. And same with the people that formed and would stop by, right, with the good food and the good vibes. That stopped because now they're on the property. So um, Devin is a U.S. Army veteran, and he came and he we were having a casual conversation. He said, how come everyone's rallying for Black Lives Matter? How come George Floyd, you're rallying? Police brutality, people rally how come vets aren't rallying regarding this issue and I gotta say it struck a chord and within five minutes we posted off an American flag saying yo meet us at this time this day on 11 17 10am and we're gonna go to Ted Lou's office this is just the community and the people advocating why are vets sleeping in tents why do we trust people to sacrifice their life from more than one time some of these guys have sacrificed signed on the dotted line more than once they come back now they're on a federal property three times the size of disneyland but they aren't allowed a fork they aren't allowed a tool if they have a shower it's limited hours they can't take showers at night before bed why why do we treat the people who've served us like they're in an institution when we should actually be treating them with hospitality i think should be four seasons hospitality for those who've served us and if if there's any corruption fraud that i've seen that's affecting people and dying on a curb that have sacrificed everything it's these veterans and so i'm happy to bring any advocacy community and outreach to this issue so you you put in a mouthful that there's so many things to and that's great I'm great you're putting this in because one of the things the stories that they have with unhoused civilians is that they don't have a place to stay the difference between unhoused veterans they do have a state to play place to stay but housed people have over uh, infiltrated their areas where they could be like the Brentwood neighborhood council uh, these people are taking over these uh, the land are stealing their land where they can be and then on top of it to add insult to injury it seems like they're uh, complaining about the very problem that they created what uh what kind of consequences do you think the civilian community like these business uh, neighborhood councils should be getting because i think this is uh very problematic I mean, anyone benefiting from that land and advocating that that land should be used for anything but and serving veterans to me is some form of corruption and fraud. I'm not a lawyer, but it's very obvious to me that that is illegal and not okay, and and really the most unethical and moral thing that could ever be imaginable. So the fact that we got to talk about laws when we're looking at... De- veterans dying in tents on a curb mm-hmm. is disgusting. Something you mentioned that I think is specific is 
And I think it's got to be looked at. All right, regarding LA and homelessness, there's what, 60, 70,000 plus homeless. Yeah, okay. I've heard yeah. 10% is veterans. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if that's 6,000 veterans, great. What I've seen is a lot of services, LASA, St. Joseph, right? You have all these services that are LA funded. They mm-hmm. show up and then they offer veterans different things at different places, right? right? And right. I've been witnessing this. This is a disservice to LA. Mm-hmm. Any service talking to veterans, and trying to house them in these motels, hotels, and different structures is all a disservice to Los Angeles because Los Angeles already has a homeless epidemic problem. Mm-hmm. We already have too many people on the street, and so they need to be advocating getting those people on the land where the services and the best hospitals with the best doctors, right, right, right. where it is on the property that they need to serve, visit, and extend. If you go to Instagram and try to tag VA, the VA, I want to be clear, it says VA campus. Yeah. This is propaganda and bullshit. That is not a campus. Mm-hmm. Campus, you come and go. Right. It's supposed to be their home, right. where they live. And it's not supposed to be something, oh, you're having a tough time. Let me give you this. Mm-hmm. No, it's not like a donation. It's, it's, it's supposed to be, thank you. Like, it's like yours, yeah. a home. Home is, is different than stay here for a few nights if you need it. Yeah. But like when you're off your two feet, you're yeah. good. No, yeah. actually. And... Let me jump in right quick and ask about the advent of 4118. I don't know if you've been following it. 4118 is utilized, was approved by 12 city council members to criminalize sleeping, lying, and existing outside. Now, with their saying, with Ted Lou's uh, conversation stating that he's going to disperse uh, unhoused civilians, uh, unhoused veterans out there, what do you think is going to happen to the unhoused veterans who fall under the 4118 uh, trap? I see them. Uh, getting no benefit, no special treatment. I see the police treating nobody differently when they're in circumstances that many of these people are in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a, they're criminalizing. When you criminalize someone, that's the easiest way to dehumanize someone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, the le- it's a way to infrastructurally say these people are bad and we need to remove them because we're all now unsafe. And you have kids, right? Oh, unsafe. We don't treat criminals as humans. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And and what is that? It's giving them a ticket. They don't show up in court. Now they have a warrant. And mm-hmm. when you go tell any old lady or old person around here, this guy's got a warrant, it sounds like he just killed two people and is going to kill your, your sibling, right? And not only that, there's uh, even some in the in-house community that runs around talking about career criminals and that kind of thing. Once you get that, that, that narrative going with the aid of uh, mainstream media and not understanding the complexities, you, you can't survive but be on the street so you're going to criminalize and give them tickets or put them in jail you're creating this cycle yeah you're giving someone a ticket who can't afford a place to stay this is absolutely unconscionable i have a niece that's eight years old and when i told her about the 4118 mm-hmm. she like her what like it's it's the most appalling thing because why would you give someone a ticket that can't afford a place to stay is literally her response so children would know that's wrong it's obvious bigger than that it's set up to create these things that that are are messed up and we have to keep advocating for certainly yeah well, Mr. Senate, you definitely gave us a mouthful and things to think on, and I thank you. I'll probably invite you on again. <laughs> My pleasure, and I appreciate what you do and your advocacy, so I'm happy to continue sharing. I, I am it's the same here. I, I enjoy your videos, and I'm glad that you're ke- keeping an eye on the situation, and hopefully together we'll meet in the light of understanding for other people, too. Absolutely, bro. Heaven help the child who never had a home Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone 
roses if the bombs begin to fall. the black man if he struggles one more day heaven help the white man if he turns back away heaven help the man who kicks the man who has a crawl heaven help us all is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.